I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, home and home with the Arizona Coyotes edition. So we've got two games that we're going to be previewing, and I am joined by Alex Boxwell, the managing editor of How Five for Howling? Is that what it is? Yeah. Five for Howling, <laughs> which is the Arizona Coyotes blog on the SB Nation Network, which you should definitely check out ahead of these games to see what we're getting ourselves into. Um, Alex, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. So we will just dive right into things. Um, since we're still early in the season, I've kind of been talking about the off seasons that teams have had. And you guys had a pretty big one. Um, signing Oliver ekman Larson for eight years, locking him down, which is obviously huge. Um, you added Michael Grabner, which is a depth guy that I think a lot of teams would have liked to have on their team. And then the big one was trading Max Domi to Montreal for Alex Galchenyuk, um, which was, at the time, I think kind of a big deal. One-for-one trades like that don't happen very often anymore. Um, How is Galchenyuk working out for you guys so far? Uh, With only playing in five games, I think it's drastically changed this team and has allowed, you know, Rick Talk, it's kind of promise of more offense in the Valley to to come to fruition. I mean, he's riding a great... uh, streak right now within these five games so it's just really about kind of getting consistency because that was probably the biggest problem with Max Domi especially with another former Coyote Anthony Duclair there was a lot of flashes um, their rookie years and early in their careers but uh, when you have someone like Clayton Keller you get Derek Stepan it's just you want to make sure that that offense runs uh, efficiently and consistently so in all honesty, once that move was announced, it was very uh, was not surprised by it at all. Okay, and you mentioned um, Rick Tockett, and I did want to ask you about him. Obviously, there's a big Flyers connection with Rick Tockett. And to be perfectly honest, if you had told me 10 years ago that there was a really solid chance that Rick Tockett would be winning a Jack Adams Award, because I kind of feel like he's got a chance this season, I would have laughed hysterically at you because Rick Tockett just – didn't strike me as the kind of guy who would make a good NHL head coach, but he seems to be doing some stuff down there. How do you like him as the head of your team? Yeah, I will say uh, when he came over, I was a little surprised, I guess, like you said, given kind of his history. But at the same time, uh, this team needed a whole new identity with um, Coach Tippett being there for so long and kind of the, the way that hockey was being played just wasn't working. And so I think um, while Tockett's system took a, a full season basically to kind of get in motion and get guys to buy in, it, it seems like the right system, especially with the talent that um, John Shiak has brought in and kind of it, everything's kind of welding well. Ekman Larson's playing really well, even the beginning of last year. There was obviously probably rumors that they were going to move him and uh, just Clayton Keller's development, just that whole roster, it seems to be a perfect fit for that scheme, which it doesn't seem as hard to find guys to fit that scheme as it did with Dave Tippett, where 
you were sacrificing a lot of offense for the defensive uh, defensive aspect of the of the game. Yeah, and what's actually really interesting about that is Tuckett does seem to be an offense first kind of coach, but it seems like you guys are winning games on the back of your defense. Um, just to throw out some stats here, you guys have only given up 20 goals thus far, which is tied for fewest allowed in the league with New Jersey. And as far as shots go, you're typically allowing an average of about 28 shots a game, which is fourth fewest in the league. Um, would you attribute this defensive success more to player talent or system? Um, I, w- I would say a little bit of both, because I think while Tockett's scheme is a lot more uh, driven to the offensive side, I would say at the same time, it does require some guys to be the hard-nosed, uh, a lot of people's favorite word, gritty kind of players and not the soft finesse offenses that we sometimes see with a lot of speed and so I think um, that was one of the biggest problems with last year's team especially with guys like Max Domi Anthony Duclair those types of players you know years before uh, just you didn't have that hard-nosed attitude that kind of uh, understanding that you're going to put everything on the ice for the team and once that happens and you get the buy-in of the offensive system, it kind of blends well together. Whereas with Dave Tippett, like we talked about, there wasn't that hard-nosed sense. It was more just, you know, focusing on the defensive side of the game without, you know, it was basically don't allow a lot of goals because you're not going to score a lot of goals. Whereas mm-hmm. now we're going to score and uh, we're going to shove you in the face if you try and if you cross the, the line, you know? Yeah. Seems like a fun way to play. I'd like to see some of that in Philadelphia, but that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> um, so behind your defense, you guys are getting some pretty lights out goaltending from both your starter, Anti Ranta, and your backup, uh, Kemper. Am I selling, saying that right? Yeah. Kemper. Yeah. Um, they're both hovering at around like 930 save percentage wise, which is obviously pretty good. Um, do you think that's more attributed to the team in front of them or are they just kicking ass? I this see this is a tricky one because the Coyotes have had some success with goaltenders, whether it's uh Cujo for a little bit, um, Mike Smith, Ilya Brisgolov. There is that kind of I hate to throw the word tradition around where you get at least one or two good seasons of a goalie. Mm-hmm. But just in terms of the vibe around the Valley with uh, Auntie Ranta, it was just, it was the unknown. It was the, un- there a lot of uncertainty. And so he seemed to be one of the more consistent pieces last year, which is why it was such a big uh, deal to make sure he was re-signed in the off season. And I think it's just a general mix. I think all three phases of the game are clicking. And once that happens, um, if you're scoring goals, it kind of takes a lot of pressure off your goalie. He can just kind of play how he wants to play. Whereas in the subsequent years, when there was a lack of offense, you had guys like Mike Smith trying to push the puck, mm-hmm. um, sacrificing, you know, getting back to the goal quickly because they had to get the, the puck up the ice to try and generate something, whether it's during a line change or whatever. So I, I just think it's it's kind of a perfect storm. And it, it possibly, you know, the the fun times could end. It could all catch up and kind of go back to normal. But um, it just seems like all three phases are clicking and there's a consistent feeling that if each uh, side plays their game well and doesn't make mistakes, then it helps everyone in the, in the long run. 
Yeah, and just to get into the composition of your team a little bit and the way it's changed over the last several years, um, you brought up Clayton Keller a little bit ago, and he is obviously pretty, pretty good. <laughs> um, and you guys have, you know, behind Keller, a lot of young talent that's been built mostly through drafting over the last several several years, which is, you know, the one upside of having a team that's not very good for a long time. Um, I know he's her right now, but you've got Jacob Chikrin. Um, you've got one of the Stroms, like we do. Um, do you think that this team is still rebuilding, or do you think that the rebuild is over and we're looking at a group that might seriously compete in the next few seasons? I guess that's hard to say because a lot of times in the draft you can get good talents to kind of drop to you, and you can get a lot of surprise picks. I mean, Clayton Keller was the seventh overall pick, and he's probably playing at a higher rate than that, obviously. Oh, yeah. And I think – Personally, my opinion, when you have such a diff- uh, change in the schematic nature of your team and you are allowing the offense to flourish and the offense is being successful, that's why um, the front office is kind of being able to take chances on like Chitrin or Clayton Keller, these guys that are uber talented because that's what the team needs. It's no longer the Shane Dones of the world where you need consistency. If you're the Coyotes, especially in a smaller market, you need to kind of get those guys like Clayton Keller where it's you either get really big returns or you don't. And, you know, there's already guys in that system right now, like Hayton um, and uh, I'll butcher the first name, but uh, Joseph, the defender. And Mm -hmm. it's just about getting that talent that you can maximize just like every other sport. The, you, you got to weigh the potential. And I think they're weighing the potential of prospects a lot more. A guy like Dylan Strom. um, I remember that draft very vividly was a guy that he was he wasn't the super superstar that others in that class were but uh and that's why it's kind of taken him a little while to kind of catch up and mm-hmm. get a grip of everything whereas Clayton Keller he's one that kind of boomer bust guy and if he gets it he's going to get it whereas it's going to taking Dylan Strom a little while to figure it out another guy like that's Brandon Perlini Perlini it, it took him a little bit but at the same time he's probably playing better than Dylan Strom right now and his uh his offensive output has been a huge uh benefit to this team yeah it's like digging into the coyotes a little bit in preparation for our little chat here it's kind of i have this bad habit of not paying any attention to the western conference until we get to the playoffs which is terrible um but this team has kind of like quietly become pretty talented and um our managing editor stephanie um, who you probably know, she has been pretty high on the Coyotes for a couple of seasons now. And I always was like, oh, you're crazy. They're not going to do anything. But like looking at them this year, they, they really could be kind of a sleeper out there, which is, I think it's fun. I like when teams pop up out of nowhere like this. Yeah. And I think um, it's not so much the flash and the stardom. I mean, probably the biggest stars on the team are Clayton Keller and Oliver Ekman Larson. And yeah. Oliver Ekman Larson barely made the All-Star game last year, and you could have easily made the case that it could have been Clayton Keller. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of guys like Derek Stepan and other people who, you know, they're good and they're going to be consistent, and that's one of the biggest things. And uh, you saw the aggressive nature of the team go out and try to sign James Van Riemsdyk, offering yep. him five years, and I'm guessing a boatload of money. Obviously, as you know, Philadelphia kind of sweetened the pot a little more, but you know, the the Coyotes have never really done that. They've never, a lot of the sports teams in the Valley, to be honest, have never really 
kind of thrown all the money in there and said, mm-hmm. okay, we believe in what we're doing. And I think that's a big, that's something that Coyotes fans should really realize that just because they don't get someone doesn't mean that it's not a win, especially for a very small market team with the business questions that have popped up for years and years. Um, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Obviously you want to be able to get those guys because of the culture, the talent, the scheme, everything. But at the same time, this team is talented Mm -hmm. and, you know, adding Alex for Max Domi, that was just kind of one step going after Van Riemsdyk was another step. And so if you can start to hit on these things and start to sign, you know, bigger names and kind of take chances, especially with the front office that's in place right now, um, you know, you have a lot of room to grow and you have really the sky's the limit. And a lot of people in the Valley um, have been very excited about the Coyotes in a year when a lot of the sports teams here haven't really done too well. So for the first time in a long time, probably since they made the Western Conference Finals, it feels like the Coyotes are the team to kind of and this little playoff drought that Arizona sports teams are on right now. Oh, that's super fun. That kind of makes me happy. People always make fun of me because I get like super excited about bad team turning good, but I do, I get super excited about it. I think it's fun. I think it's good for hockey when it's not the same team in the playoffs every season, when you get some new blood in there, it's more fun for everybody. So I'm hoping that Arizona makes a push. And I really think that it was um, OEL signing there because I think they're, it was kind of like, is he going to stay there? Why would he stay there? Like, he could go anywhere and get paid because he's amazing. And when he made the commitment for eight years to stay with you guys, that's a huge thing. And I think that that, you know, that combined with the young kids that you guys have really could attract some talent to your team. Yeah, and that that was the biggest question for however many games it was before they started to turn around was, is Ekman Larson, does he, did he lose anything? What's wrong? He's not playing well. Mm-hmm. He's not fitting in the system. Um, and I think it's a big, it's very big that he got that C on his jersey. I think it is very indicative of how far he's come, especially, you know, being around here when you have the Shane Dones, the Radim Verbatas, you know, those older guys, those older veterans. And for Ekman Larson to be that captain, um, I think that's very speaks volumes to how he's developed, how he fits in this system, how he fits in the locker room and just being the guy that everybody else follows. Because for the longest time, it was obviously Shane Doan and he carried himself a certain way. He was this, mm-hmm. this stoic person. And I think more so more than the hockey, like the on ice uh, success, being able to have the off ice success, especially with younger guys and kind of teaching them the ropes and teaching them, what it really means to be an Arizona Coyote because you're going to be told that your team's moving, that, uh, yeah. you know, all the business, you're going to be told all the business things. You're going to be told all the hockey things. They haven't been good. And so I think just kind of having that guy and especially with um, a, like a James Van Reams like situation, being able to say, Hey, Hey, this, this guy's been here. He's, you know, worked through the system. He's worked through changes come to Arizona and we believe we can foster growth. And I think, that is kind of the biggest thing over the last year that's kind of transpired besides the emergence of Clayton Keller, um, the change in uh, philosophy and all that stuff. Yeah. It's pretty cool. What's going on out there. I think that apart from like Dubas and Toronto, you guys probably have the most forward thinking GM. So 
I'm I'm sure that good stuff's coming for you guys, which like I said, I think it's gonna be fun for us as hockey fans generally. But um so we know Clayton Keller, we know Ecky Larson, we know these guys, and we've got two games back to back against you. Who do you think we should be keeping an eye on that we might not know about? Um, I would say just for the fun of it, probably uh, Dylan Strome, just because of the connection. Obviously, that's the kind of fun part. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say more so not just one player, but possibly, you know, the third line and the second defensive line of the Coyotes. Okay. Just um, seeing that depth, whether it's a guy like Michael Grabner, which you touched upon, or Brad Richardson, um, these guys that are kind of traditionally not have not played up to their standard or, you know, would not be considered very valuable assets are becoming more valuable. And Grabner obviously is a good depth guy, but it seems like he's kind of stepped up a little bit, especially with um, that end of the game goal, Clayton Keller, that saucer pass. The whole team has just kind of um, become this new entity. And I would say too, just the, the offensive output. I mean, I remember, a game against the Montreal Canadiens where the Canadians ran them out the out of the arena about two years ago. And, um, you know, just kind of understanding that this is a whole new team and to kind of get excited about it is something to watch out for, too. Yeah. So we only see you guys twice a season, as you know. Um, any flyers that you look forward to watching when our teams meet? Yeah, I'm actually a huge fan of Wayne Simmons, obviously, just because – you know, he's just, it seems like the consistency's been there. You know, him and Claude Giroux just have been there. And when you think of the Flyers, those are the two guys I think about. Um, maybe Nolan Patrick. I know that his last game on November 3rd was uh, positive. I believe he had an assist, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just that youth. It's the youth versus youth, Keller versus Patrick, um, because those can always be fun matchups, especially. Yeah. With a very with a very traditional team like the Flyers and a team that is at the bottom of the list when it comes to popularity with the Coyotes, so I think it's just kind of a it's a very interesting balancing act between two very different teams who, at some could argue, are on different trajectory paths. Yeah, it it should be interesting, and I am unsure of how these games are going to go. So we've got tonight in Arizona. And we've got Thursday in Philadelphia. Um, how do you see these two games playing out? Give me a shot in the dark prediction. Oof, I'll go. That's a good question. I'll go with a three-two tonight. Arizona Coyotes. Okay. And then I will say Flyers take it on the road. Okay. Just because the the last two home games with Tampa Bay and Ottawa, the offense have just the offense has just been. Uh, insane, but that that stadium's gonna be, I would guess, is gonna be full of a lot of Flyers fans. So I yeah. think it'll be a lot more difficult than uh, some may guess. Yeah. So I don't know if you've heard, but you'll be facing our third goalie tonight, um, Cal Pickard, because both Brian Elliott and Michael Neuvert are injured again. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he ends up. He played pretty well in San Jose, not terribly. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a kind of a, a goal fest for you guys tonight, just because you do have some offensive weapons 
we've been struggling a bit in the defense and goaltending department. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm going to be positive for once, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say tonight the Flyers win three to one, and then at home they lose four to two because apparently they can't play hockey at home. It's like a thing with them. Super fun. <laughs> Great for selling tickets. <laughs> All right. So that is all I have for you, Alec. Thank you very much again for joining me. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, we've got two games against the Coyotes this week. Home and homes are always fun. You get, I feel like that second game is always a little more angry after they've played that first one. So hopefully we'll have a fun week for both of our teams. And uh, yeah, that's all we've got. Go Flyers. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly.